0: We're in the middle of our series called Hall of Faith. If you've been here, Pastor Bill's been taking us through some really great people of the Bible. And I have a question for you because we're gonna talk about this on our next few minutes here together. Do you have enough faith to believe the impossible? It's a big question, isn't it? And you might be like me saying, maybe what's it about, right? (laughs) What we'll we'll kind of decide. But We're gonna talk about that today and the person that we're gonna look at and how she really did believe the impossible. Now you might be thinking, what is faith and how do I know if I have enough of it, right? What, what does that look like? How do I know if I have enough faith? And Pastor Bill talked about a few different ways we can know. One was he read Hebrews 11:1 and it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So even though we can't see maybe what we're hoping for, we can see our faith and that we're hoping for it, praying for it. Hebrews 11:6 six, then connects faith and our work side with the character of God. And it says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So at the beginning of our series, I think we're the fourth weekend, Pastor Bill talked about, do we have faith in Jesus? Because before we talk about The rest of what we're gonna talk about today, um, that's really for believers and Christians, and Christians who have faith in what God does for them. Pastor Bill said, we have to have faith in Jesus first. And what does that look like? You might be thinking, because even though we didn't see it right, it happened 2000 years ago, we believe what the Bible says, that God sent his one and only son who died on a cross for us. He was crucified, he was buried, and he rose three days later. He had lived a sinless life for over 30 years, and his blood is what cleansed for us that are sinful people for a sinless God. So he made the way for us. So to be a Christian, all you have to do is believe in Jesus. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Romans 9 says, "'If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, "'and you believe in your heart "'that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.'" So that's it. There's nothing magical in it. There's no, I had to go to church 645 times and check off a card or um, had to be baptized in certain water or whatever it might be. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You're a Christian, so you're in. You're gonna spend eternity with God in heaven one day. But we're banking a lot on that, right? We're banking our eternity on it, heaven or hell. We're banking how we live today on our faith. We're banking a whole lot on that. And once we're a Christian, this is really the job for the rest of our lives now is to strengthen our faith, to become more like Jesus each and every day. And God wants us to do that. That's what we're called to do. One of the best ways I know to do that is to see people who do that well. If you're trying to learn something, you always watch somebody who's doing it. We we do it on YouTube a lot right now. We kind of bought a fixer-upper and we're fixing up a lot of stuff and we spend a lot of time, oh, find somebody who's done it because usually they can tell you better than directions. Have you noticed that? You kind of skip through the opening up the box part, all that, you just get to the part um, and you're gonna learn the easy way to do it. It's kind of that way for us too. We can see people who have had great faith, who have lived a life that even though they had difficulties in their lives, they lived a life of faith. As we look at our scripture in the hall of faith, There's quite a few really great ones there. You students in the room today, I know y'all are starting school this week. When we're talking about Hall of Faith, these are like the valedictorian people. These are the people who did really, really, top of their class, great things. So we're gonna strive today to learn what made them different, why? Why did God pick them? What did they do that was so great that we can emulate and be like them? But before we dive in, I wanna say something really clear right up front. They weren't perfect people. Because if you look at their life and think, well, I'm already out, I've already done this, this, and this, I'm not that, that's not these people. These people had made some really bad mistakes. In fact, some of them, mistakes so bad, if you read, you would be going, well, God's never gonna use them, look what they did. God stuck his hand down and said, no, that's the one I want. I want the one that I can show, oh, wait, Let me show you what I can do with an open heart, no matter what they've done in their life. I can do something really great because that's when God ends up really shining. These people doubted, they struggled. um, They did some really things that made you question if they were ever really believers. Most of them, when I look at their lives too and you read their story, nothing came quick for them. They waited a lot. God would speak something to them and then they had to wait to watch it come to fruition. Have you ever waited for anything for a long time? God had promised you something, or you thought maybe God had promised you something, and maybe now you're doubting. I'm not really sure if it was just me thinking to myself, but I know, I know I really have a desire for this, and I, I continue to pray for it. That's who we're going to look at today, and her name was Sarah. Sarah had really waited a super long time for a baby. God had promised her and Abraham when he took them away from their homeland, she left everything she had ever known. She left her family, her friends, everything, her customs, everything she had ever known. Her and Abraham set out to this new land that God was going to give them. And he promised them when they went that he was going to make them have descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sand in the sea, and they were gonna have all these descendants one day. And So Sarah's like, oh yes, well we have to go. So they set out and let's just say they didn't have Ubers back then, right? So it was a long trek through the sand on donkeys and who knows whatever else that they had to make their trek. And it was really, really, it was a tough ride for her. And she prayed for 25 years. And we're gonna skip down on the story a little bit because it's been 25 years now. She's still traveling and they're still going to the promised land that they're gonna get. And there is still no baby. 25 years. Day after day after day, after week after week, after month after month and year and year. She has to start doubting a little bit. God, I know you said, so she does. And I'm just gonna give you a preview because we're not gonna read the whole story. But she starts trying to make things happen herself. Okay, God, I know you said this, but maybe you need my help. Have you ever done that? Hey, God, I, I know you said you really want me to live this life this way. I read in your Word, it says to do this, but was way back then. You don't really know what things are like today. Let me help you. Let's change things up a little bit. And, and that's what she did. And she made some big messes in her life. But God continued to use her. And I think that's important for you and I to know that today because Sometimes we think God's not gonna use us. Maybe for some things that we did, some mistakes we made or the place we grew up, the family we were from, whatever it might be for you. That's God's specialty. He uses the messed up and broken to do really phenomenal things. Hebrews 11:11 through 12 says, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. Let's just say that. And a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. So that's the end of the story. Hebrews goes ahead and flashes to the end. I wanted you to to see that the good is gonna come for her. She had to wait a super long time for it. I'm really good with the more yes or no, black and white person. How about you? If you just tell me no, okay, I may not like it, but I can get used to it and I can figure it out. It's the waiting. Waiting. That's really the hard part, isn't it? Trusting and waiting for God to do something and to turn it around. I know her faith wavered at times. She's human, right? Don't you know? Some days when she got up, she thought, God, I don't know if you noticed here, but I'm getting along in years. I'm not sure. My body's changing. I don't even know if this can still happen at this point. Her story is told in the chapters of Genesis 11 through 25. We're gonna read them all right now. I'm just kidding. It's very, very long. (laughs) We're not gonna do that. But we're gonna skip in. We're gonna go ahead and skip in to chapter 18, and we're gonna read this part about Sarah together. We're gonna look at um, verse 10. Start there. It says, they had had some visitors come. Let me give you the front part of it. As they're traveling, they had some visitors come. And later on, they find out that they were actually angels that came. And um, the, the custom of the day was when you were traveling and people came that were traveling, you would uh, light a fire and give them some food. There was no restaurants, as we know. There wasn't all this stuff around them. So they fed them. And that's when one of them spoke. And this is what one of them said to Abraham. He said... "'I will return to you about this time next year, "'and your wife, Sarah, will have a son.'" Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children, so she laughed silently to herself. And she said, "'How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, "'especially when my master, my husband, "'is also so old?' Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she denied it saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. (laughs) Can you see it right now? Oh no, yes, I I heard you, you laughed. Um, I think I probably would have laughed too. Have you done that before? Somebody said something that was so just crazy in your mind that you said something you probably shouldn't have said. That's what happened. She didn't mean to say it, but she did. But before we're too hard on Sarah, let's look back a little bit and what Sarah's life had been like up to this point. She left her family and home to travel with Abraham. As God moved them from their home to find a new land, she had been the ultimate team player. She supported Abraham as he followed this new God, she didn't really know very well. And Abraham ended up becoming the founder of the Jewish nation. And sometimes Abraham didn't make the best decisions to protect her. You'll have to go back and read this whole story, you guys. It's amazing. He tells her, hey, don't say you're my wife. You're so beautiful. As they were traveling, they might kill me. So she lied to protect him. She did some things for him because she loved him. And in the end, It came back to her. God gave them the promise of a son. And after 25 years, I added this up. It's actually 25 years is 1,300 weeks, 300 months. Year after year after year waiting for the baby. And now she's 90. Remember, she said he was old. She's 90. He's 100. So I guess she's considering him to be old. But she's tired. I want you to picture Sarah in front of you, not just Sarah on the page that we read about Sarah and Abraham. I want you to kind of think of what Sarah looked like. Y'all, she's 90. Maybe you have a great grandmother or, or a good friend that you've seen that's 90. But even though she's beautiful, she's 90. She probably had gray hair. Her skin was sagging. She had lost her muscle mass. Her joints ached. Everything probably ached on her. She's 90, her hips ached. Think of all the walking that she had done in her life. She probably lost some teeth. There was no dentist then. She had really lived a really hard life to this point. And so now she's thinking, so I have a grandbaby, y'all. She's two, she's beautiful, but she is exhausting. I can't imagine being 90 thinking, okay, so now I'm gonna have a baby. Now that I'm old and I can hardly gonna be able to, to pick this baby up, that's what she's saying. I'm not sure after all this time, this is the best timing, God. Why did you do it now? We do that sometimes, don't we? We know here's the deal when we pray for something, and you and I pray for stuff all the time. Sometimes God says yes. Oh, yes, that's a great thing for you. Sometimes God says, No, I know you think that's a good thing for you. Maybe That person you're dating, you think is a good thing for you. I know what's gonna happen down the road. It's not a good thing for you. So God says no to protect you. And then sometimes God says, wait. Oh, that's the hardest one. It's hard, isn't it, to wait? Especially because in the waiting, we don't know if it's coming or not. In the world we live, you and I today, we don't really wait on anything anymore. Very seldom do we have to wait. If we do wait, we have our phones or something that make the time pass by really quick. But waiting is a lost art, and learning to live in the waiting, and learning to trust God in the waiting, learning to delve into our relationship with God in the waiting, getting closer to Him because we don't have to wait. This morning I went to Starbucks and there was a really long line. I think I waited 15 minutes. I was just, I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, where's Chick-fil-A? They get these people in and out. We got two lines going. It's the fastest thing ever. We don't ever have to wait. Sarah had to wait. Sarah had a relationship with God that you and I will never have because she pressed into God for 25 years, trusting and waiting and seeing what God was gonna provide for her. But here's what I do know. Waiting is where faith becomes necessary. Because if we don't have to wait for one thing, if you guys, this just came into my mind. Do you remember the movie um, with Bruce Almighty? Remember, and everybody got whatever they wanted whenever they asked for it. And then it started really messing up everything because everybody can't have everything that they want because some people are gonna have to say no because it will affect them. And that is what we are used to. But I know that when the waiting We learn to trust God, our faith is strengthened. We depend on him more. We act different when we're desperate, right? We read our Bible more, we pray more. Um, We're nicer to people because we understand what they're going through. It gives us a new form of something. If you've struggled with something, whatever that might be for you through an illness or a financial hardship or whatever it might be, you may have been pretty judgmental a few years ago, but now you're like, oh, that's what this is. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, I know that must have been really hard for you. I know it took 25 years, but I don't think Sarah's faith ever broke. I think it wavered because she's human and she wondered if God was going to end up doing what he had said he was going to do. And our great lesson is God always does what he says he will do. Sometimes he doesn't Say it out in black and white so we will know. But he had told them in black and white, you will have a son. And you're gonna have many, 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 many descendants. So many. And what we start learning when we look at the people in the hall of faith and people in Scripture is God always delivers his promises to you and to me. Genesis 21, one through three says... The Lord kept his secret and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. I love this. It happened at just the time God had said it would. God knows. He's the Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows everything Bill always says, if we knew what God knows, we would want what God wants, right? He knows. He knew what was gonna be the best time. Maybe if she would have had that baby earlier, maybe he wouldn't have made it out in the wilderness. I don't know what all God's reasons were. But God had reasons and it was in the perfect timing. Scripture tells us that after Sarah gave birth to Isaac, she lived another 30 years raising him. So she got to see him into adulthood. She lived to the age of 127, 127, wow. And here's the blessing part. Many years later, she was the first person to be buried in the promised land. God was faithful to Sarah and God's gonna be faithful to me and you. And as I look back at the story and many of them in the hall of faith, I'm thinking, that the moments of trial and heartache are times that stretch our faith and confidence in God. Because once we've made it through one difficult thing, then you kind of go, oh, this is going to be hard, but remember, I made it through that thing, and you know what? I live through it. I'm going to be okay. God starts stretching our faith and stretching our capability to trust Him. So as we wrap up and go home today, I started thinking about what's something we could do practically to strengthen our faith. Because it's something we have to work on every single day. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards, right? So we don't want a dead faith, we want an alive faith. So what would that look like? Number one, hear God's word. Romans 10:17 says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Hearing is the first step. When we struggle with our faith, we need to hear God's word. We need to be spending time in God's word we need to be listening to the things that God says, because within that He starts changing our mind frame, maybe to what we were thinking, to what He would think. We learned how God wants us to live and to act and to treat other people. Number two is believe God's word, not just hear it or read it, but actually believe it. Second Timothy 3:16 says, "All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful, useful to teach us what is true." and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's what God's word does. You may have somebody in your life who's telling you the truth about things. My mom's here, I was thinking, my mom's not gonna teach you. my mom's gonna say, oh no, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, you did nothing wrong. Right, you read God's word and God says, I love you enough to tell you the hard things. And you know what, this life you're living over here, these decisions you're making, What I hear you talking to people about, that is not glorifying me and I want you to stop. That's what God's Word does. And scripture says it's active. His Word is active and sharper than a two-edged knife. It goes in and it, it gets into our heart and speaks to us. It tells us the things of God. That's why God's Word, could you read it? And then like a month later, you read something you read before and you're like, I didn't read that, did I? I didn't hear that because His Word's alive. And God's word teaches us things about ourselves, things about God and how to live our lives. Number three, speak God's word. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't use foul or abusive language and let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do your words encourage people? Are you positive and telling them about great things? or Are you negative? And when people are around you, it's like, oh my gosh, they wear me out. They're talking about bad things all the time and the world's bad and whatever it all is. God wants us to be people. It talked about saying good and helpful things to be encouraging. Luke six forty five says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. It's interesting, isn't it? When we look at New Testament people, they were always quoting scripture. They were quoting the Old Testament because they knew that's where God was alive. That's where God was working. So if you don't have something nice to say, as my mother would say, don't say anything at all, right? Just don't say anything. It's hard for us who have a lot of words to not say anything, but don't say anything or quote a scripture. Oh, I'm sorry you're going through that hard time. I'm gonna pray for you. You know, God says, He's never gonna give us more than we can handle, you know, or just maybe use God's word to filtrate if you don't have something good to say. Number four, do God's word. Don't just hear it, as James talks about, but be a doer. First John 2, 4 and 5 says, if someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely They love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Faith without action is not living faith. So it can't just be by our words. We have to be doing good. We have to be showing kindness. We have to be showing love to others, showing encouragement to others. I'm wondering if you know somebody of great faith. Maybe there's been somebody in your life as we look at the hall of faith, but maybe there's a physical person, somebody in your life who you have seen with extreme faith that has really encouraged you and your walk with the Lord. I know a few, I know a few, but I wanna talk about one today. And if you've been around a, a while with us, you probably know Pastor Dongo. I have a picture of him to put up there. And I met Pastor Dongo in 2010. My son was going on a mission trip with his school. And he wanted to go to Africa and like any good mother, I said, well, I have to come meet the people who are in charge of this and taking you across the world. And I did, I met um, the teachers who were going and I met where they were going, which was Pastor Dongo. And he had a church in um, Kampala and an orphanage, but it didn't start out that way. Dongo was from a dad who was in a tribe and had several wives. So he had many, many brothers and sisters and they were not Christian at all. Dongo heard about Jesus and left his family and went to Kampala and went to Bible school and just felt the calling to start a church because so many people there didn't know about Jesus and didn't know about God. So he did, he started a church. He married Sweet Florence. She's been here several times as well. They start this church and he thought his calling was to pastor a church and teach people about Jesus. And it was, but his other great calling was, was to help a whole generation of people who didn't have a dad. There's not a lot of dads there, a lot died from AIDS or died in war. And so Dongo had people just dropping children off at the gate of his church because they couldn't afford to feed them and children were dying and they heard he was a great man and he was this Christian man. So people just started dropping off children and and they had four of their own and they ended up adopting like 15. And at some point he started saying, okay, we can't keep doing this. So they started an orphanage and our church supports them. And you've heard us talk about, we've sent teams over and the great things that we have been able to do there. And many of you sponsor children, you can pay a monthly fee and help sponsor those children as they go through school. And my oldest is now in college, she's at university and um, Daisy is her name and I'm, I'm still supporting her. And Dongo had an unusual way of making things happen out of nothing. And it always surprised me one of his last few years here, when he would come, he would stay um, with our family and with other people, and um, we'd take him to the doctor just to get checkups because they didn't have great health care there, and we found out he was having a hard time breathing, and we found out he had a tumor in his lung, and um, it turned out that it was cancerous, and um, they dropped him off with me and said, I need you to tell Dongo he has cancer. I'm like, what? So I did what I always do when times are hard is I go to Sonic and get a Dr. Pepper because that makes all things better. Um, and Dongo would laugh at me because he didn't eat sugar. They just didn't have a lot of sugar there. And so he would get a water. I'm like, try a Sprite. You might like a Sprite. He's like, oh, it's awful. So he wouldn't, he'd just drink water. And as we sat in the car, I said, Dongo, I have some bad news. A bad report came back about your doctor visit. I need to tell you that you have cancer. You have lung cancer. And I mean, in a split second, he said, my dad has it. It's okay, God's got this one. And I said, aren't you gonna be mad for a second? Can you be mad with me? (laughs) And he said, no, Mary, I'm not gonna be mad. He said, you know what? Um, None of us are making it out of this alive and this might be my appointed time and I'm gonna trust God with that. If he heals me, it's a win. I'm gonna have a great story to tell. I'm gonna have a great testimony. But on the other hand, if he does not, I get to go be with Jesus. I've been waiting for this. He was 55. He said, I've been waiting 55 years for this. I'm gonna get to go be with Jesus. And that is exactly what happened. But I was changed seeing his reaction because I would not have had that reaction. And when you rub shoulders and elbows with people with that kind of faith, strengthens your faith. It calls you to do big and great things things. Faith is really important. It moves mountains, changes prayers. I've seen it. I've seen us pray for things as a church. I've seen us pray when we didn't know if we were going to have enough money for things. And we would pray and people would show up with money and going, where did that come? I've seen God do it. So I trust him. Don't always like the answer like you but I trust Him. I was listening to a song yesterday by Danny Gokey. It's called, Stay Strong, if you wanna look it up. It's a great song. But I think Sarah was singing this song. It says, I've been waiting for a breakthrough. I've been praying for change. I know you'll work it out all for good, but how long will it take? I've been asking for healing and I'm not gonna lie. I'm ready for the miracle, God. Let it be this time. But if I never see the promise on this side of the grave, my hope might be shaken, but my faith will never break. Because I know the day is coming when you'll right all the wrong. So, I'll praise you in the waiting, and my faith will stay strong. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for all of my friends here today, Lord, and. I just pray. I pray for a breakthrough for them, for whatever it is in their life. I pray for a financial breakthrough. I pray for health and healing. I pray for relationships that are suffering. I pray for unanswered prayers, whatever it might be, Lord. I pray that you would show up and turn things around. You are the God of miracles. We trust you. We know that you love us. You care about us and you always want the best for us. God, we, we know there might be some in our room or listening online today that don't have faith in you. Lord, I pray today will be the day that they, that they pray that prayer to you and say, God, I know that you're real. I know I need you. I can't do this life alone. Please come into my heart and save me. And that's it. And Lord, you promise that you will do, the, you will do that. Help us to, to treasure your word in our heart for five minutes each and every day from here forward as we're building our faith. Each morning when we get up, could we open our Bible or our Bible app and, and just spend five minutes reading two or three verses and begin building and building and building our relationship and our faith along with you, Lord. We thank you that you are on the throne and in control of everything, and we are not. And we thank you that you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.